Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. So tonight, we are in part four of Chasing Daylight. Has this been series been good for anybody? Yeah. Then if you just said yeah, if you just said great, if you just made any kind of grunt or noise in response to me, what I want you to do is go to takeovergr.com forward slash podcast, and I want you to send one of these messages to three people that you know and get the word out about this series, get the word out about this church, because if we can get loud about it in church, we need to be able to get loud about it outside of church. Amen? I, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like I can kind of skip a lot of the fluff fluff tonight and we can kind of just get down to the meat. Does that sound good? I'm ready to go. I believe God came tonight in this room during that worship set. I know it was fun. I know it was energetic. I know we switched up tempo. I know some of us white people were confused. And <laughs> when do I clap? I turned to Justin. I was like, the spirit's here, bro, but I don't know. I'm missing it. I got zero beat in any part of my body. So, uh, but it was incredible. I believe the spirit of the Lord is here and how we're going to find out in just a minute where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Amen, church. So week one, we preached a message called Life After Death. That's okay. There's usually a, a, fan, a fantastic lady in church named Ingrid here who always shouts it out before I even ask the question. She'll know it. But we preached a message called Life After Death. That is part one. And the reason that's important so I can run down this real quick is that you know that when we are chasing daylight, I'm going to tell you what that means in just a moment, but life after death, whenever Jesus asks us to deny ourselves, to lay down our lives, whatever it is, our possession, our feelings, our wants, our needs, our desires, whatever it is that he asks of us, whatever cross he says deny yourself pick up your cross and follow after me whenever there is a cross involving Jesus there was always life after death is there anybody tonight that wants life with life to the full is there anybody tonight that wants more life in their life and it begins and it ends with us denying ourselves picking up our cross and trusting Jesus that what he's about to exchange us for is even greater than what we're giving up amen week two we preach a message called Something bigger than your eyes. We turn to your neighbor and tell him you got something bigger than your eyes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it got really awkward when we preached that message. People made it weird. I don't know. Um, but we preached a message called Something Bigger Than Your Eyes. And if you're a Jesus follower in this place, I don't make the mistake of putting this on you, where you are on your journey. But for the Jesus followers in this place, we have got something bigger than our eyes in this life. Our eyes will always point out how big the mountain is. We will always look at something disproportionate to its actual size and its actual weight and its actual gravity in your life because of our fallen human nature. We will always make a mountain out of a molehill. If you've ever heard that phrase before, I don't even know what a mole is, but I've heard the phrase. <laughs> City kid, I don't know. But <laughs> mountain out of a molehill. Um, but that's the thing. You got something on the inside of you. You got a spirit on the inside of you that you can look at a mountain and you can say, cast yourself into the sea because that mountain is way smaller than you think it is. Your, your marriage problems are way smaller than you think it is. Come on. Your financial problems are way smaller than you think it is. God is doing more than you think he is. You are further along than you know that you are and he is always doing more than you can see. Amen. You got something bigger than your eyes. Week three, what was it? Beast of the burden. Beast of the burden. 
This is more than a Rolling Stones song, okay? If you're a Stones fan, I'm sorry. We can repent later. I'll pray for you. We'll lay hands, get out the oil, do the whole nine yards, bring out the snakes on Tuesday. Beatles are better than the Stones. What am I saying? I'm kidding. It's a lie. But we preached a message called The Beast of the Burden. And we were talking about how there are weights in this life, whether you asked for it or not, whether it came to you or not, whether it was something that you caused for this burden to be on you or not, whether it's your own uh, situation that you came across to have worry and anxiety and fear in your life, or it was the acts of somebody else on you or in your life or around your life, work, whatever, marriage, and you have this burden on you, man, your shoulders are not big enough to carry that beast. Amen? These are, these are burdens that Jesus Christ went to the cross for. In the cross is your salvation, making you right with God. In the cross of Jesus is your healing, giving you a whole body now and in heaven. A new body in heaven, but a whole body now. Amen? There are burdens in this life, and they can all be hung up on that cross with Jesus because his shoulders and his mightiness are big enough to handle it. Amen? It's the beast of burden. But tonight I want to preach a message. Y'all ready for this? Who's taking notes? Where my note takers at? Come on. Wave it to hair. We just don't care. There it is. The title of the message is this. The veiled and the bold. Mmm. It's deep. Yes, the young and the restless. That's a good reference. Um, I've seen that show a total of 0.25 times. Would you turn and tell your neighbor after you wrote that down and ask them where they purchased that veil? Where'd you purchase that veil? Some of y'all ain't married in here. You don't know what a veil is. You'll find out. Praise God. But the veiled and the bold. All right, title. Um, tonight we're going to be coming out of 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. But before we go there, I want to catch up to speed on Chasing Daylight. Chasing Daylight comes out of this, what Jesus said in John 9, 4 through 5. It'll be up on the big Bible if you need it. He says this in verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, a.k.a. chasing daylight. And some of us tonight, man, you thought when we sprung forward that you were, you were gaining, uh, you were losing sleep, but you were gaining daylight. No, no, no. You thought you were losing sleep. You didn't realize that you were gaining an opportunity to make a hustle for the kingdom, that you had work to do, that you were gaining another hour. It's a, it's a funny phrase, but it's a, you didn't realize that you were gaining time to be out and alive and showing off the light and the love of Jesus to those around you and bringing heavenly glory into the places that you go. You didn't know. But this is why we're calling it Chasing Daylight, friends. Because while Jesus Christ is in the Lord, he said, I am the light of the world. He has called you and me the light and the salt of the earth here to bring out the light of God, the love of God, and the God flavors in this earth. Come on. We have got some daylight to chase. We have a job to do. We got some hustles to make. And we got a devil to put in his place. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Come on. So then, 2 Corinthians, we throw it up on screen. Woo! 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 18. There it is. It's on Sky Bible. Y'all ready for this? Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Somebody say very bold. bold. 13, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Verse 14, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, 
to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Is that good? Yes. All right, we're going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get into it. Jesus, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I ask that you would come, that you would be the only thing evident in this mind, God, that our reservations can be put on hold, that our worries can be put in their place. God, that your word over our lives for this moment, Jesus, our hearts would be open, our ears would be ready to receive, our mind would be open to what you have for us, God. We are putting everything else on the back burner right now. We are saying, Holy Spirit, come and have your way because we believe the scripture, Jesus, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we want that freedom, Jesus. So we just thank you tonight in advance for everything you're about to do through this word. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled church, set. Amen. Amen. So I love this verse because Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. Anybody familiar with the Apostle Paul? I'm going to tell you real quick. He was Saul. He was a religious crazy man. Uh, he was commissioned by the Jewish leaders at the time to go and actually kill, behead, murder, a bunch of other things that I'm not going to say from here to Christians, people who were followers of the way. He was the baddest of the baddest, okay? That was who Paul was back when he went by Saul. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ, knocked him off his donkey, Christians, knocked him off his donkey. And he came up, he had scales on his eyes. He went where the Lord directed him through the Holy Spirit. He had an encounter with Jesus. He changed his name. He changed his life. He picked up his cross, denied himself, and started following after Jesus. And he became Paul. So Paul is one of the best dudes of all time. He is a heavyweight in the Holy Spirit. Does anybody else just want to be a Holy Spirit heavyweight in here? Come on, man. We shadow boxing with the devil. He can't do nothing when you're a Holy Spirit heavyweight. That's Paul. You couldn't tell Paul nothing. Paul was like, nah, it's not what the Word of God said. Sorry, I'm not even going to entertain the thought. He wouldn't even engage in arguments. He'd be like, I'm not even going to hear your side because I know what the Holy Spirit says. I know what the Word of God says. We ain't even going to talk about it because I ain't even going to entertain the thought. That's Paul. He would shut it down. And if you ever read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians while he's writing to a place called the Church of Corinth, you would see him do just that. He would be very matter of fact. Like, yo, Bible says X, Y, and Z. What you're doing in your church looks like M, Y, C. Stupid. He's like, you're missing it. You are missing it. You are doing things behind and underneath the name of Jesus that Jesus Christ himself would not approve of. You are living lives. You are preaching false doctrine. You are doing these things that are far from God. So me, being apostle, over all of this, I'm going to write to you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to correct you in love. So we can all get back on the same journey. So we get back on the same path, on the same accord, because this church is not going to fail. God is still going to be glorified in all that you're doing, and he is writing a story through these mistakes right now. And that was Paul. So Paul, he is writing to the church of Corinth in this message, and where he finds himself in, in uh, part two of the Corinthians uh, chronicles, if you will, the, the letters to the church in Corinth. Man, they are full of themselves. They're full of themselves. They think that any miracle that they're seeing, any fullness that is coming to that church, any joy that has been coming to that home, he, they think that all of these things that are happening in Corinth is because of them. I'm just a great preacher. 
I'm just a great communicator. I'm just great at singing songs. I'm just a really great guitar player, like our own Ryan Bunker over there. Ryan, that was amazing. I've never called him Ryan in my life. He is, he is Bunker, okay? Love him. It's prophetic. But he is writing to the church of Corinth, and they are full of themselves. They are making amendments to the Gospels. They are making amendments to the, to, the, uh, to the law, to all of these things. Any scriptures that they had put together at the time, they're making amendments to it. They're doing things contrary to what Jesus said uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, contrary to the early church's teachings. They were doing all of these things underneath the name of Jesus, but not underneath the authority of Jesus, because the authority of Jesus always goes with God's word. And if you don't know, let me enlighten you. God's word has got to have the final authority on our lives. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to submit to it or not, there is life and life to the full found underneath the shadow of God's authority of his word. When we begin to apply that to our lives, we won't run the risk of winding up like these guys and being on the wrong side of Paul. Instead, we're running with Paul and running further and faster and better together because we have some Holy Spirit heavyweights running with us. So here's Paul. And he is writing to them. These guys are full of themselves. They are pompous. They are arrogant. They are thinking that everything that has happened is because of them. But I love this. He says this. He says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses. No. Not like Moses at all. Do one around in the desert. Come on, all these people following you and you doubting God who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites who were following him might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, Moses is read with a veil that lies over their hearts. And I think that's pretty crazy that he points us out. He's saying, yo, it's Moses. One of the heroes of our faith, man. If you, do anybody else grow up in church? I didn't grow up in church, but I have it on good authority by my wife that Moses was used quite, quite frequently in Awana. Is that correct? Yeah. Ucha, wana, wana, ucha. That's the only Awana I know. Um, six people. It's okay. 90s hip hop. It's fine. But Moses, he is a childhood superstar. He is a felt board superstar. Anybody else grow up in a church with a felt board? Yeah. There you go. Praying for every single one of you. You got some things to work out in your salvation. You do, but just having fun, just having fun. But Moses, he is a guy that we talk about, and yeah, Moses is great. Moses did a lot of things. He trusted God on a lot of times, but the reason Paul is bringing him up is because for you and me, we got Jesus. You and me, we got the Holy Spirit. Because of this, which is why he starts it out, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses. We don't, he is saying, Moses, they spent another week. They spent another month. They spent another year wandering around, chasing after the cloud, going after where they thought God was going. They're doing these things. Doubting at every turn. Most of them following Jesus or following Moses were just like, is God even real? Because we are wandering through this hot as can be desert. My mouth is bone dry. I am ready to kill my neighbor and eat him. Uh, because we just we need to make it. Like we need to get out this desert. I am seeing some things. There are some mirages happening. You know what? Slavery looks pretty good. Moses, I know that you split the sea. I know that you got us out of there. I know that God showed up, did some crazy things. You used to talk with the stutter. Now you don't. Now you're leading all of us. I know some cool stuff has happened. But this desert season that we find ourselves in, slavery looks a lot better. At least I got a guaranteed meal. At least I got a guaranteed uh, housing over my head. At least I got a guaranteed bath every now and again. At least I got guaranteed that I'm going to be safe in shelter. Slavery was looking pretty good. 
That's what Moses was dealing with. Moses himself was having these own struggle street thoughts. Everybody wants to turn around on me. Everybody wants to run and hide their tail. Everybody wants to go back to where we came from. I don't even know if I could part that water again if we decided to go back. They'd be swimming for their lives. Got it. Did I miss it? Did I hear it wrong? Here's Moses, and he is questioning what God, who split the seas, who used his staff, who did all of these crazy things that would be absolutely impossible without God. Because how many of you know if it's impossible, then it's possible with God, amen? Did all of these things, and yet doubted, and yet struggled, and yet was leading people who wanted to turn and run and go back to slavery, even though freedom which is on the other side of obedience. And so here's Paul. And he's saying, you and me, Church of Corinth, all of us, the church going forward, the early church, the church of 2019, every single one of us, we don't have to hide our faces. We don't have to put our face behind a veil. We don't have to fail behind the veil, if you will. Because you and I, Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. You and I, we have such a hope. Because we have such a hope in Jesus, and when he said, it's better that I go that the Holy Spirit may come, man, we get to walk with some swagger. We get to walk with some boldness. It doesn't matter how many desert seasons we go through, how long it looks like. Maybe daylight for you right now, chasing daylight. Maybe daylight for you. Maybe you wishing for some nighttime. Maybe you're looking for some rest. Maybe for you, it's been a hard season. You haven't been living the way you think you should. You haven't been operating at the level that you think you should. You haven't seen all all the promises of God evident in your life the way that you believe they should and you're just looking for it to end you're just looking for some reprieve you're just looking for some rest can I be honest in church tonight is that anybody in here because it's been me and I'm a pastor I'm looking for some reprieve I'm looking for a vacation I'm looking for a time where my phone isn't blowing up I'm looking for my own life not to be falling apart but here's Paul and he's saying you don't got to hide behind a veil you're bold you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It doesn't matter what is coming against you. You got more on the inside of you. You got something bigger than your eyes. It doesn't matter what your situation is looking like, friends. It doesn't matter. You can hold tight to the gospel, to the scriptures that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in your problems or your situations or what is coming against you. I'll preach to anybody tonight. Greater is he that is in you. And Paul is saying, because of that, we're not veiled. We're bold. We don't have to hide out of shame or doubt. In moments of doubt, listen, following Jesus and being bold does not exclude you from moments of doubt, fear, worry, or anxiety. You are human and that is understandable. But what it does mean is that because of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you don't have to succumb to fear the same way people of the world do. You don't have to succumb to anxiety the same way your neighbor does who doesn't know Jesus. You don't have to come and bow to worry and suicidal thoughts and all these things that are plaguing our generation the same way the rest of the world does because you got a spirit on the inside of you that is greater than a spirit of suicide. I'm going to preach to anybody tonight. Man, when we were in the middle, I'm, a, I'm going off script. When we were in the middle of prayer and praise, I just got angry. I'm going to be honest with you. I got angry during prayer. 
happens frequently. Usually it's when God's telling me to do something better or do something different. But I got a little bit of righteous anger going on in the middle of prayer because there are two things that I am sick and tired of hearing about and I'm going to hear about it for the rest of my life until Jesus comes back because it's going to happen and people are humans and it is what it is. But man, I am sick and tired of hearing about cancer and I'm sick and tired of hearing about suicide. It is not because I think people are weak. It is not because I think that you need to get yourself some help. It is not because of any of that. I am sick and tired of the devil coming to my church, coming to my friends and my family, the people where God resides, people where the Holy Spirit lives in and knocking on their door and breaking it in and taking something from them that ain't his right to take. I am sick and tired of it. So what if you struggle with suicidal thoughts? What if cancer does come to your home? Moment of doubt? Understandable. But doubt doesn't have to lead to death. Doubt is not a period. Doubt is a comma in a sentence in a story that God is writing in your life, okay? Doubt is just a moment. It is a colon. It is a continuation because you, with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you don't have to succumb to that doubt, that worry, that fear, that anxiety that is plaguing you right now. Because of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you can take a step back. You can assess the situation from a heavenly vantage point instead of a humanly vantage point. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? You get to be bold. You get to be swagger. When you got no right to, when you want to cover your face and you want to be veiled, you want to be veiled in doubt, you want to be veiled in, 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 uh, in chemo and radiation, and you want to be, you want to be uh, veiled in hospice coming home, you want to be veiled in doubt and in worry, Paul is saying, you ain't got to do that. When the doctor is telling you it's terminal, you get to walk with some swagger and you get to go, that's cool, doc. I understand that. I'm going to take that to heart. I really am, but I'm not going to let that rest in my soul because my soul has been saved by the blood and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he says that in my salvation is my healing. So therefore, by the stripes on his back, I'm going to take the stripes on his back word on my healing over your doctor's report right now. I'm sorry. All due respect. My God's got me. This is who Jesus is. This is our God. We have some swagger about us. We got some boldness about us. We get to do these things because of what he did on that cross. You know, I think, I think for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, we, we have a hard time getting this revelation because there's going to be a pastor like me. His pants are going to be really tight. He's going to have a bunch of holes in his clothes and he's going to be yelling at you. He's going to be preaching fire. He's going to be doing his thing. If I do say so myself, hold up. I think for you and for me, it's easy to sit there in a chair and look at somebody doing that and go, yeah, but you probably grew up in church. Your parents have probably always voted Republican. You've probably always had a minivan. You've probably always had a silver spoon in your mouth. I mean, you're a pastor, right? So you kind of probably grew up in church and, you know, you had a five pastors sign off on, you know, your, uh, your uh, Bible school application because, you know, you're a Christian and you're West Michigan, so you've been to five different churches. It's not true. This is a church where the leadership has been through some things. We have not been saved since the crib. We have experienced our life. Our marriages are not perfect, but they are submitted to the blood and authority of Jesus Christ. We got some things going on in our lives, and when they happen, we repent. When it happens, we confess because our confession precedes our belief. Amen. Our confession precedes our obedience. What we believe about God will be acted out when we begin to confess what we believe about God. Even if it's hard to believe in that moment, we begin to submit that to the word of God. So you got to know tonight that you are in a church right now. You are in a place right now. You are hearing somebody speak right now that does not have it all together, will not claim to have it all together. I have moments of doubt. 
I have moments of fear. I have moments of worry and anxiety. And I'm not going to tell you to be like me. I'm going to tell you to be like Paul when he says, be like me as I imitate Christ. I am telling you, friends, it is not always easy. It is really hard. Sometimes you have to go for a walk. Sometimes you have to get out of your house. Sometimes you've got to get out of that situation, that conversation, those circumstances. But you have the ability on the inside of you because of the Holy Spirit to step out of that conversation, step out of that moment, get rid of the worry and doubt. In the middle of daylight, you can assess your thoughts from a heavenly perspective. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? It's true, and we are done making excuses for it. If you're in a place where maybe you're not, you know, you just don't feel like you're there yet, that's okay. There's zero shame. There is no, the Bible says there is no shame or condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm just glad that you are in Christ Jesus. That's a good place to start. Everything in the church is going to begin and it is going to end with Jesus Christ. It's the final authority. At least in this church, come on. We're going to leave politics out of it. We're going to leave personal feelings about it. We're going to submit everything that we do and everything we believe to the authority of Jesus Christ. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Come on. So maybe you're not there yet. Get around some bold people in your life. Get around some people who are going to willing to stand with you when you can't stand. Get around some people who are going to meet with you in your hotel room, when you, uh, in your, uh, in your um, hospital room, when you got no right to pray, to pray for you, when you can't, when you can't muster up the words, when you're drenched with tears, when you can't do it all. Get around some faith-filled people who are going to go to battle for you when you cannot go to battle for yourself. Sometimes you need somebody to defend your home when you can't defend it for yourself. Sometimes you need somebody to defend your mind when you can't defend it for yourself. Hey, can you pray with me? Hey, I'm going through this. Can you, can you just intercede for me? Intercede is a big word that we like to use in church, but we make a lot more out of it than it actually is because it's really simple. It just means, hey, I know you're a wounded knee right now. I know you're down. I know you're out. I know you have had the ever-living daylight kicked out of you. I know what life looks like for you right now. So you know what? I'm going to raise my faith. I'm going to raise my voice. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. I'm going to get in the middle. We don't got to make it this big fancy showing, but while you're right here, I'm going to get in front of you. I'm going to start taking the arrows from the devil, and I'm going to lay down the authority of the Word of God in front of it right now. We're going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it down for you. That's what interceding is all about. Is anybody in here tonight? hear what I'm saying. Yeah. Come on. So when Paul, he says this, we're going to keep rolling. He says, turns to the Lord. The veil is now removed. I love this part. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, come on, there is. Now I say it like you believe it tonight. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there it is. Come on. I heard somebody get real Scottish Mel Gibson with it for a second. Oh, freedom. Okay. And we all with unveiled face. Somebody rolls up with face paint on. Okay. So got to have the horse though. Can't come to church with the face paint if you don't got the horse. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. I think a lot of people sleep on this verse. I think we do. I think we are napping on Paul with what he says to this because you and I, we forget. We're reading Paul in the New Testament, but we forget about something that happened back in Genesis. It says, now let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Somebody say it. Father, Okay, say it with me tonight. I know I'm the white guy with no beat, but say it with me. Father, Father Son, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they said in the beginning, let us create them, man and woman, in our image. So here we go. Paul is bringing us back to the OT. He says this. 
Now the Spirit of the Lord is where the Spirit of, there is freedom. And we all, brothers and sisters in Christ, the unveiled faces, the unveiled ones, we ain't hiding. We are out in broad daylight. We are the Christians. We are the followers of the way. We are the ones chasing down Jesus with everything we got. We are the one beholding the glory of the Lord. Because when you behold the glory of the Lord, he says, you are being transformed into the same image from one degree of a glory to another. We go from glory to glory. Amen? We go from glory to glory. So here's the thing. When you think you don't got it, when you think that you can't, when you think that you are too beaten, you are too veiled, you are too down out, your life is too messed up, you are too jacked up, you're sleeping with too many people, too many things going on. We could be honest in church tonight. When you feel like you do not measure up, you don't even deserve to be in church because you are too messed up and too jacked up. One, he says this, scratch that, nah. One, this is the right place for you because you are a follower of Jesus. You might have some mess in your life. You might have some muck going on. You might have some mire that you found yourself in. Your image might be a little distorted right now, but he is saying where the spirit of the Lord is, in the house of God, in, a, in the body of a follower of Jesus Christ, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Your freedom is coming. It is available to you. And when you are strong enough and you are able to, and you are in that place of your faith journey to grab hold of it, you're going to be grabbed hold of it. And while you are doing that, man, we're going to trust God in the process. We sang it last week, didn't we? When it's hard and I can't see, I'm going to trust you in the process. Amen. He says this, in the process, you are being transformed into the same image. We are beholding the glory of God. He is saying we are looking at it. We are beholding it. It is our gaze. It is our sight. It is our what is occupying all of our attention, which is the glory of God. The reason that we are living, the reason we're telling our neighbors about church, the reason we're doing all of these things, we're serving our community like we did last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, handful of us from church, wish it was a lot more, going to be honest with you, but we got out in the middle of Martin Luther King Park and we got some bags. We got our hands dirty. We brought some gloves with us. No worries. But we got our hands dirty and we spent two or three hours out there in the park picking up trash and making sure the places where our kids play in this city are clean and they're friendly and families can go there and they ain't got to worry about nothing. They can have a clean and beautiful park. And you know what's funny? What's going on there? I'm going to get back to the message in just a second. What was going on was there was actually a community meeting happening inside the building at the Martin Luther King Park. There's a boxing gym in there, by the way. I'm going to go hang out. Come with me. It's going to be awesome. But they were having a meeting in there and they were racking their brains in that meeting. How do we get the community more involved? How do we get people from the community to come and take care of this park and pick up the thing? And then a guy came out and he saw Scott and myself and a bunch of other people with bags and trash picker uppers and they were like, you guys with the park or something? You with the city? We out there in skinny jeans. We with the city. Come on. We with the church. And we was like, nah, we got a church down the road. We're just out here serving, you know, killing it. And he was like, Literally, when he Scott, he was dumbfounded. He was like, yo, he, he said it. He was like, we are in that building literally right now trying to figure out how to initiate the neighborhood to come out and do this very thing. And he was just like, thank you. Now, here's the thing. Like church in Corinth, we ain't going to get full of ourselves. That wasn't Scott and I's idea. That wasn't Adrian's idea. That's obedience from God. He is the one that is saying, I have given you this city. This is your land. This is your territory. This is your dominion. You have to steward it. You have to take care of it. You have to step out. You have to allow your confession to go into your belief, and then your belief has to go into obedience. And what you believe about the word of God will determine the actions and course you take in your life. And we got out there as a church. And we freaking killed that park. And we took care of it. Dan was all the way out on a hill. I couldn't even see him. I was doing this number. I was like, I think that's Dan. He looked good. He's out there serving, being better than the rest of us, killing the game. I'm out here like, I need water. Like, he's just out there. We got out there. That park is huge. And man, take care, uh, Takeover Church took care of that park on Wednesday night. And that was incredible. Thank you to everybody that came out. <laughs>
Now that the winter is over, man, the church is going to be back out. We're going to be out in full, uh, full force and full effect, and we're going to be taking care of this neighborhood and this city that God has given us. That sound good to you? Yeah. So he says this, Paul says this, in the, middle of, uh, in the middle of the process, he is saying, you are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There is a process, friends. It's called life. It's called meeting Jesus. And when we meet Jesus, we lay down everything that happened before Jesus. My experiences, my relationships, my good, my bad. God, I am laying that all at the feet of Jesus right now. And I'm saying, all of this is laid down. And you get to be the determining factor for what the rest of my life looks like from here on out. You have redeemed everything that was bad and that was fallen and that was, that was wrecked in my life before this. You are making it a beautiful part of my story and redemption. And from this moment forward, I am going to extend the rest of my life beholding the glory of God, fixated on the glory of God, chasing after the glory of God, telling everybody about the glory of God. And now I'm going to spend the rest of my life being transformed by the glory of God because I go from glory to glory. Amen. We don't just behold the glory of God. We become the glory of God because we are the bride of Christ. Amen. Yes. Speaking of brides, come on. Have you ever been married in the house? Who's married in the house? Who got a boo thing? So you single as can be. Stop. <laughs> Out here. Come on. Lying in church. Lying to Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. I always wanted to say that. Well, here's the funny thing about the veil. Adrian and I, we got married. I remember all of it, but I was really incoherent because I was just crying the whole time. Adrian was like, stop being stupid. You're embarrassing me. All of our friends are here. Our church is here. And you're crying. You're a pastor. You're a man of God. Straighten up, buttercup. She was like, toughen up, buttercup. In our marriage, it wasn't even in our vows. We had awesome things in our vows about Jesus and Jay-Z and Beyonce and great things in our vows. It happened. It was there. Don't worry about it. We're young. Don't, don't judge me. We're on a journey. Come on. Pray for your pastors. But we were there. And she was like, stiffen up that upper lip. Wipe your eyes. You are embarrassing me. Somebody's taking photos right now. Stop it. She kicked me in the shin. She's like, stop. <laughs> I believe it. Preach them. Preach them. And we're there. And, you know, it's funny, though. We didn't have a, we didn't have a veil because I didn't want to waste another minute not looking at my beautiful bride, not even for a second. Aw, right? That's a lie. I don't know why we didn't have a veil, but we didn't. She had a really cool, like, Xena warrior princess, like, flower crown going around her head, and she just looked like a, Nor like a, like a Nordic Scandinavian warrior up there. It was awesome. I'm the guy up there just looking like a bum, crying, slobbered over myself. Everyone's, you know, disappointed in me, thinking she's really cool. Story of my life. There's a thing about, think about a bride and a bridegroom. That veil is lifted up. That veil is pulled over the face. Because I'm going to marry that girl boldly. I want everybody to see her. I want everybody to be proud what I'm working with over here. I want everybody to see how I leveled up. I want everybody to see this beautiful woman as she walks through. She got the veil. She's coming down the aisle. Piano or organs playing. This whole thing is happening in front of all of us. And that veil is lifted. And that groom is proud of the bride he is about to receive. Friends, tonight, can I tell you that we are called the bride of Christ. That Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And that one day he is going to return with all of his might. With a really cool tattoo on his leg that says he is king of kings and lord of lords. And with a sword. And he is coming back for his bride. And let me tell you, friends, that bride will be 
be without avail because he is proud of the church that he has built, that he has raised up. He is proud of what he has accomplished in and through the church of Jesus Christ. Man, he is coming back for a bull bride, not a veil bride. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Come on. That is our God. That is who he is. There's a couple pieces of scripture I want to get to as we get ready to wrap up in just a moment. He says this in Ephesians 3, 11 through 13. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So again, Paul, all the time, he is finding himself in and out of jail all the time. It's Paul. He's going to jail for all the right things. Believing in Jesus, healing people, setting them free, correcting churches that have fallen. He is out there being a G for the kingdom. He is doing everything in his power to set the church up for the most success, for the most reach, for the most influence it possibly can. This is Paul, and he is paying for it with his life, with his blood, and with his sweat, and with his tears, and with his time. Behind bars, in and out of prison all the time. Cool stuff happens. Gets him out of there. Read it. Book of Acts. It's great. But Paul, he's talking right now. He's like, man... I want to ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for, which is your glory. And I love that he can be sitting in jail and he can be writing to the church of Ephesus. Again, he's writing to you and me because this Bible was put together. And he's saying, this is according to our eternal purpose that he was realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access through with confidence through our faith in him. And he is saying to you and to me, we don't have to lose heart because of the struggles and the trials that we are going through. We don't have to lose heart because of what we're here, other Christians are going through. We don't have to lose heart because of the situation and the hell that comes and visits our home because you and I have boldness and we have confidence and we have access to all of this in Jesus Christ through him. Our God is so big, he is so deep, he is so wide, he is so overwhelming, and he is overwhelmingly full of boldness and of hope and of confidence, and he is ready to give it to you and to me because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross as a son and as a daughter of the Most High God, you have access to that every single day, and there is not a devil in hell that can tell you otherwise. There is not a diagnosis on earth that can tell you otherwise. There is not another single soul on this earth. I don't care what Bible degree they have or don't have. I don't care what it looks like on their Facebook page. I don't care how much authority they think they have because of schooling or otherwise. There is not a person on this earth that can tell you a lie that is bigger or more authoritative over your life or has a right to be authoritative over your life than what Jesus Christ has said in his word. I'm preaching to anybody tonight. That boldness, that, com- that hope, that confidence, it is available to you. So here's a really cool thing about chasing daylight, right? We out here, we got a purpose. We have a purpose. Does anybody tonight believe that you have a purpose? I love this. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6, it says this. We're going back to the beginning of that moment that we started with. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? See, Church Corinth, full of themselves. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? He starts off slow. I love Paul. He's like, he asks a question that he knows the answer to. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. 
and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Some of us got to get that on the inside of us tonight. Not that we can claim that we are sufficient of ourselves or anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Come on, preach to him. That's so good. That's such good news. Can I tell you why? Because we're out here chasing daylight. We're out here living lives with our lives on the front line. We're out here living lives out loud. We're out here following Jesus out loud. If you're not following Jesus out loud, but Jesus right now in your life is kept to church, I want to encourage you to enlarge that a little bit. Let Jesus have a little bit more influence in your life. It's going to come with some more arrows coming at you from the devil, but man, those arrows cannot pierce through the armor of God. Let me tell you tonight, friends, enlarge that influence of Jesus in your lives. Let him have some influence in your relationships. Let him have some influence in your lives at work. Let him have some influence on all of these things. You know what? March Madness was just going on. Anybody's team win? Nobody likes March Madness in here. Yeah, but no, but we had like two weekends of tournament, right? <laughs> Any Duke fans in here? You're not working with me, friends. It's okay. I got this. What's the team? What's the team of the bracket? Michigan State fans. I don't know. I watched the NBA, not March Madness. Don't care. But here's my point exactly, though. How many of you walked into work after that first weekend when everybody was, not you necessarily, but everybody in West Michigan was skipping church to be down at B-Dubs was watching these games playing and, and all the West Coast teams playing at like 9 o'clock at night. When this was all going on, how many of us went into our workplace or our college campuses the next day? And that was the first thing that we talked about. How many, when, a, when the Super Bowl is going on, that's the first thing that we talk about. Hey, how was your Sunday night, man? Super Bowl was good. My team won. Yeah, yeah, let's go Pats. Right? In our lives, we're willing to get loud about a lot of things. We're willing to get loud about politics, left or right. We're willing to post about politics, left or right. Ain't no government ever gone to the cross for you. Just the kingdom of God. A lot of us are willing to go and post about how great Tom Brady is, and he won a lot of Super Bowls, but he ain't never won salvation for nobody. He ain't never gone to the cross. He ain't never defeated hell, sin, death, and the grave for nobody. But we get loud about him. We love to keep up on Instagram with celebrity culture and drama and who's dating who and who's breaking up with who and what's going on with these Stranger Things kids and who's going to blow up best. I can't be the only person in church that follows Millie Bobby Brown. I just think she's fantastic. <laughs> Gonna be honest. But we'll send messages about the newest Netflix trailer. You see the new Black Mirror was dropping. 
We'll get loud about a lot of things. We'll post about a lot of things. We'll get excited about sports teams. We'll buy memorabilia. We'll rep jerseys. We'll rep things that we believe in. We'll go downtown and we will meet with thousands gathered to hear a man speak. But when it comes to giving Jesus Christ the final say, authority, and influence over our daily lives, we have a hard time doing it. If there's one thing to be loud about, friends, it's Jesus Christ. If there's one thing to enlarge our influence towards, it's Jesus Christ. If there's one thing to come into Monday morning going, Woo! Sunday was lit! And they're going to be like, why? You at the club? What were you doing? Your sports team win? How's March Madness going? Did you win in your bracket? They're going to be like that. You're like, no, 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 no. I heard about a Savior who went to the cross for me, who died for me, who rose again for me so that I could live. It's no longer I to live, but man, I'm here Monday morning and I am stoked to be here at work because I get to tell you that I go to a great church. I get to tell you about a really great God that I have. I get to tell you about all the things that God's doing for me, man. I didn't think I was going to make it through this week because I've been living paycheck to paycheck, but you don't know that. But because now that I have Jesus, I'm going to be honest about my struggles because when I'm honest about my struggles, I can be honest and I can be bold about what God has done in my victories. Amen. If I could be honest about my struggles, it's funny when people are like, yo, didn't even know you were struggling. That's a cool victory though. Your victory carries a lot more weight when you're honest what you're going through. Here's the thing. We get loud about a lot of things, but a lot of things don't deserve us to get loud about it. None of those things have ever gone to the cross for us. There is a daylight, there is a nighttime coming where he says there will be a time where we can no longer do work. So why are we getting loud about the Patriots? Why are we getting loud about Michigan State? Half the people hate each other anyways. Why are we getting, why are we getting mad at Ohio State for being better than everybody? I don't get it. Knew that one. Got him. But we're getting loud about all of these things getting loud about a lot of things that don't deserve our voice, doesn't deserve our attention. Worship team, you can make your way back up here. Doesn't deserve a second look or a morning. But Jesus Christ absolutely does. Jesus Christ absolutely does. Because friends, you and me, these things in our lives that we're loud about that make up our conversation, God's not mad about it. He's not mad that we have passions. He's not mad that we have desires. He's not mad that we have things in our lives that we're excited about. He loves those things. He gives us passions. He gives us desires. He gives us an enthusiasm. He loves and that you are excited about football and you like to live your glory days and you like to place you know, $5 bets at work. He loves these things. Pastor just said God loves gambling. Don't take it from there. God loves these things about you. But God gets the glory as you begin to go from glory to glory and be transformed when you realize that the things that we're loud about in this world pale in comparison to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. When Jesus was walking, he was the talk of the town. When Jesus came through a city, he was the talk of the town. Man, pubs emptied out when Jesus came through. Hospitals cleared out when Jesus came through. People left what they were doing, their daily jobs, and they gathered around Jesus when he would come through. And he says that while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And he says that after I go, it's better the advocate, the Holy Spirit may come because you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. You are my bride. You are the local church. Paul goes on to say that the church is the hope of glory. That's you and that's me. We are the hope of glory. And if we're the hope of glory, friends, hospitals should be clearing out. I'm bold enough to say it. I'm bold enough to say it. AA meetings should be non-existent because people are getting set free. 
from generational curses. Again, we talked about last week, a generational curse on this earth that's thicker than the blood of Jesus. People are going to be succeeding in their callings because they interacted or they came across a Christian who spoke life and faith and brilliance over them and destiny over them and purpose over them. Because you and I, it's going to be daylight for us until Jesus comes back or the wheels come off and we go home and we get to bask in the glory of God forever and ever. It is daylight right now because you and I are in the world. It is daylight right now for your co-workers because you work with them. It is daylight right now in your marriage because you and I are in it. And I appreciate anybody tonight. It is daylight right now. And that means glory can be whole and people's lives can be resurrected. And it doesn't have anything to do with us because Christ is all sufficient, but he wants to use you and I to affect this city for eternity. You and I are the hope of glory. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to sing one more song. If you're new with us tonight, this is something that we do week in and week out. We love to end with a song. We love to let this moment of the word inject itself into us, take root in our hearts. We love to posture ourselves in the spirit and believe God for greater things tomorrow and in this week and in the months and days to come. So we're going to sing a song called Who You Say I Am. We, got, we sang it earlier, but we're going to sing it again today because tonight we are equipped. Tonight we know that we are a bride. Tonight that we know that the veil has been torn, the veil has been dropped. You are bold, that you are righteous, that you have confidence. That is who you are. You and I are glory, and we only go from glory to glory. Amen? So we're going to sing Who You Say I Am, and we're going to make this song our own. Because it is who we are. It is our victory. It is our future. It is our past. It is our present redeemed. It is a story that God is writing in and through our lives. Because you and I, friends, we are the hope of glory. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to get ready to sing in just a moment. With every head bowed in this place, every eye closed right now. There's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. We are giving every single person in this place underneath the sound of my voice a moment of privacy between them and the creator of heaven and earth. If you're in this place right now and you didn't know that God had a plan for your life, you thought that you went from beat down to beat down, not glory from glory. You didn't know that glory was even anything that you could ever partake in. If you're in here tonight, maybe you thought that you weren't good enough that you weren't worthy of love, that if there was a creator out there, he probably didn't think much of you. If you're in this place and you've ever believed a lie other than you are worthy of Jesus Christ going to the cross, right now this is your moment. There's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging you. Nobody's laughing. Nobody's passing notes and talking about, oh, I can't believe they met Jesus for the first time, but they come to church for like eight years. No, no, no. There ain't none of that. Right now, this is your moment between you and your God on the inside of you right now. If there is something drawing you right, right now to rededicate your life to him or give it to him for the first time and truly make him Lord. You were tired of needing God to save you and be your savior, but you were looking for him to be your Lord and direct your life and give you a clear path to your victory. If that's you right now and you want to make him Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand up right now just high enough and long enough just so that I can see it and you can put it right back down. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's judging. If there's their hand up in this place, just high enough and long enough so I can see it. 
Jesus, I thank you for every single soul that is in this place. God, I thank you for every single purpose that is in this place. I thank you, God, for the cities and the families and the lives and the marriages and the kids and the destinies, God, that are going to wreak havoc on this earth from this night forward, God, for the kingdom of God, that they are going to leave here tonight and they're going to be a subversive kingdom of glory, God. They're going to go into their work days and they don't know if they're about to get rickrolled by the kingdom of heaven because they're going to be the best people in the office. They're going to be having the best days. They're going to be excited even when life may seem like it's falling apart to them, to their co-workers, God. They are going to still speak destiny. They are still going to speak hope. They are still going to walk in confidence and boldness, God. They are going to be an unveiled church where they go into their workplaces and they go to their college campuses and they go to their marriages, God. They are going to look and they are going to represent and they are going to sound and feel like Jesus. God, I thank you for every single person in this place right now. God, I thank you for what they're about to do in and through their lives, God, as they make the most of their lives from this moment forward. In Jesus' mighty name, let's sing this song right now. Can we just begin to sing who you say I am?